Okay, Isaac. Do you remember in like Windows XP when you would, you know, you'd go to these weird bootleg um, websites, right? And then they'd have the, all the different mouse options, like you could customize your mouse? Vaguely. Very vague. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember a lot about Windows XP, Cameron. We were like... <laughs> no, I know. But, but like, they would be like these download links, right? They'd let, you, they'd let you customize your mouse on your desktop. But they were all scams, right? They were all, like, malware, you know, that you'd, you'd download onto your parents' computer. And then it'd just be like, you'd have, you know, you'd open up the desktop and it'd be just, like, a million ads for, you know, terrible different things. I gotta be um, honest with you. Windows XP... The majority of my experience was on school computers, and so I didn't mm, care. Yeah. I just would endlessly download garbage download everything. that right. didn't need to belong there. Actually, actually, I have a funny story about that. I was talking about um, my experience with using Windows XP computers at school uh, with my friend Bob, who's been on the show. We were in a digital design, like Adobe Crash Chorus thing. It was like a web design and then there was like a creative design one we took for two years and it was two years for Bob and I to goof off during a, a class period. Right. What we ended up doing is there was a server and I had no idea what a server was, but it was essentially a server that was just hard drive space. Maybe that's what all servers are. I still don't really know, to be honest. Pre- yeah, um, pretty much. It, it's this big hard drive space shared amongst the school for this creative class. And my friend Bob and I, we just somehow we got a torrented or like bootleg copy of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas uh, <laughs> on a flash drive and we uploaded it onto the school um server yeah the entire right. game that's awesome <laughs> and most most people uh in the class discovered this file and started downloading the game off the server onto their computers during class and playing it Right, um, they all knew. Yeah, they yeah, all knew. It was so funny, and it, that's it, sick. It took that's up, like the the OG peer to peer file sharing. Yeah, like that's that's sick. It took up so much space that our teacher was like, "Someone is messing with the drive. I can't figure it out, but it's slow. There's just <laughs> there's not a lot of space on there anymore. I think we might have to upgrade." And so uh, Bob and I freaked out because we didn't want it to be discovered. So we ended up removing the game. And, and keeping it alive on a flash stick until the server was upgraded. Then we re-uploaded wow. it again onto wow. the school server. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was pretty That's funny. That's so funny. <laughs> Wait, how big was this thumb drive that you had to... <laughs> oh, San Andreas wasn't that big. It's a PlayStation 2 game, so it wasn't yeah, like... Yeah, but the whole server didn't have like... It didn't have like a couple megabytes. Of, I don't know. Or a couple gigabytes of space. I just remember that. Yeah, I think it was just we were overloading it. It was definitely the biggest file on the server. So right, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's funny that the IT person just didn't even. He maybe he was like, "Oh, cool." Some of the kids <laughs> put San well, Cameron, Andreas. Cameron, I them. went to public school, so I don't even know if we had an <laughs> IT guy. All right, who would set up the Ooh. server? Who's gonna set up I the server? I think it was our teacher. I think it was our teacher. <laughs> really? So. The oh, IT person. <laughs> Juliana, did your school have an IT guy? Uh, I don't know. Yes, obvi- Yes, most schools have an IT guy. Probably. I don't know. It's pretty dumb. So. Juliana, Juliana <laughs> no went idea. to the probably the nicest public school in the area. I don't want to disclose it just for privacy reasons, but uh, it, it's rich kid, rich kid me down. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. But like when I was going to my elementary school, they were like redoing it. Uh-huh. Um, so and we were at some like really like I don't know 
not as cool place. I just like how our computers oh, wow. are always outdated. It felt like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Even when we got yeah. Do you Max? remember Oregon Trail? No, I didn't play Oregon Trail. You didn't play Oregon Trail? Oh, no. you ha- I thought you went to public school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't play it, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, yeah, in any case, why I bring this up is because I, I it was just like a fad for a while where like, you know, th- there would be these different there would be these different like mouse options. It's really it was really dumb. Um, but uh, but at the same time, like that just went away. You know what I mean? Like there's not there's not Nobody does that anymore. I would. Nobody lo- puts- I would think that's so funny if like someone had a brand new like 2020 uh, MacBook Pro or like some sort of yeah, like, and they just had like a nice- mouse that a mouse that has an echo behind it, you know? Yes, or like a unicorn spin wheel or something stupid <laughs> like that. They're like, I figured out how to change my cursor. That was something yeah. that I figured out. Yeah, I'm no, pretty sure that I'm pretty. Sh- I'm almost positive that Apple has ways to customize your cursor still. But I am not. Yeah, you could make it bigger and whatnot. Oh, eh, maybe that's the only options then. Boring. Yeah, I think so. I'm sure there's cursor options. Uh, I guess if you're into cursors, that, <laughs> that's uh, that's where <laughs> you, you would know, right? And you'd also know that this is the Everything Comes From Something podcast. Uh, <laughs> welcome, everyone. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. And we have a special guest with us. Oh gosh, what do I call myself? What do you? I, whatever you want. I. <laughs> oh boy. My. <laughs> what? Wow, right. this is butchered. I am. Um, we asked you your name, Juliana. <laughs> My name is Juliana Palafroni. You might you might also as well know me as uh, Jules. I I am an artist project. I'm surprised you didn't um you didn't pimp your your alter ego. What's your alter ego's name? <laughs> My alter. Yeah, Stacy. Oh yeah, Stacy Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like my uh writing inspiration, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, if I'm like really trying to pull from some like some some like passion, you know. Some Right, right. Yeah. You know, I go to I go to Stacy. That is out my... of body. Yeah, you got to get into the Stacy mindset, you know. <laughs> we all got to get into Stacy mindset. Yes. Well, hey, we're we're all chilling here. It's a Saturday afternoon. Um Jules is one of the few people I get to see in quarantine and she agreed to hang out with us on the podcast so thank you for giving your time uh if you want to know more about jules you can follow her on social she has some great music she's been hustling away during the (laughs) quarantine jules you want to throw out some socials for people yeah well my handle is at she is jules um at on on all the the platforms so all of them yeah yeah is that, we appreciate wait, you. Is, wait, question. Is that your name on Discord? I, I actually didn't check. It is. It is my name on Discord. Oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> add, her on, add her on Discord because she's yes. been crashing our, our boys only server. <laughs> yeah, the boys only server that Cameron doesn't ever say a thing in. All right. He responded to me that one time, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. I did. I got to yeah. say, you have been more active in the quarantine. So I well, do appreciate yeah, that. Well, if I'm just, I mean, if it's just nighttime and I'm like, sitting on my computer then i i'll respond but i i don't check it you know so <laughs> most it is what it is but speaking of not checking things my twitter got hacked can you believe yeah. that and and they suspended my account and i can't get it back what <laughs> it's yeah. okay you weren't tweeting too much anymore i wasn't i wasn't tweeting but the thing is i i loved who i was following i had just like curated the best <laughs> followers and when they suspend your account like that they take out all of your followers and everyone who you're following. 
Oh my goodness. So, yeah, no. so <laughs> I have crazy. nothing. I have absolutely nothing. So I have to either create a new Twitter account or, or yeah, and start from scratch, you know, which is fine. It, it is what it is. But I'm waiting for the response from Twitter help, you know. Oh, my uh, gosh. Completely not helpful. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been having just a terrible time in quarantine without Twitter, you know. Actually, I'm sure you, ma- It's probably survive, made my life bro. a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Cameron. Uh, to be honest, your social platforms needed a facelift, so maybe that's what we'll work on. Uh, so mean. We'll give you a better no, public image. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, I just don't, I don't use, I don't use like social media really. I just lurk. To be honest, (laughs) Juliana is probably the most, or the the most well-versed in in social media, but we'll get into that because (laughs) today's episode, episode 93 is all about content creation, uh, making content. We thought it was a relevant topic for quarantine. If you enjoy the content we produce here. At everything comes from something. You can check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast. Throw a few dollars our way. Get your questions read on air and also get an exclusive monthly episode that did not come out this month. We're being 100% transparent because of technical issues, but I'm sure we're going to talk about why creating things is difficult <laughs> in this episode for sure. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, if you don't have money to throw away, we still appreciate you. Uh, you can share with friends and family, give us a rating on iTunes. All that stuff helps the podcast grow. I promise you, Cameron and I will figure out a monthly exclusive episode for next month. We'll uh, do, we're good. No, we're doing it. We're doing it after this show. We're doing another one. I don't know. Can we? Depends. We we did say that last week. I will say. I know people have been dying for my Clone Wars review. Is that um, what you're really going to talk about? Uh yeah, dude. I've been uh, so excited to tell my final thoughts on that on that uh, season. You ending. should. Ju- why don't you just do a solo episode? <laughs> just by myself <laughs> for the patrons. Ah, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Anyways, uh, I think it's time to crack into the subject content creation. I mean, what do we know about it? Um. We've been doing a podcast for a while. Juliana, she's a musician and a songwriter. Uh, which one would you put first, hmm. songwriter or musician? Um, I think I would. I would say, oh gosh, I think both. Like top liner is. I feel like calling myself a top liner is a combination of the both of those things. So, yeah, I don't know if that <laughs> is both of them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I've known you a long time. Also, by the way, you sh- we should probably disclose I've been dating Juliana for over four years now, right? Yes. It's crazy to say out loud. Doesn't it's feel like four, four years. years. <laughs> only, <laughs> only. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I've yeah. seen Juliana perform multiple times. Uh, her perform, I guess, in the studio as well, writing songs. She has definitely made it the furthest out of all of my artist friends i guess i would say um making it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah jules has has been working on content since she was little cameron i i'm actually really curious to hear about your experience in making content outside of this podcast and i think the best place to start for all of us is talking about our first experiences creating i guess media content or not even content I, I i guess it's like just content you can share with others right, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. yeah so i mean cameron I'm, I'm not giving you a ton of time to consider it but what are your thought like what what are the first members you can think of of maybe like holding a camera or creating something that you wanted to yeah. show people yeah 100 percent. yeah so 
the weird thing is, for the most part, when you first start, uh, you know, I guess your content creation journey in air quotes, um, you you basically you don't want to share that with anybody. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't think I was proud of a project that I did maybe until college. Maybe. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely until college, yeah. Um, like, was, there, like, when you first start, I think there's just this uphill battle of, like, oh, this doesn't look right. What am I doing wrong? And then also mm-hmm. the, the sort of, I guess, the overwhelming... Um, I guess it's just like the the dread of knowing that there's so much to know, you know. Um, mm. But when I I guess my first like project that I remember, video project that I did. Um, this is such a dumb story. It's so funny. <laughs> I can't. I actually can't believe I haven't told this before. Um, but we for for Christmas, me and my older brother. Right. Uh, I guess I I must have been in like fifth grade or sixth grade or something. It might have been earlier that, um, mm. but me and my older brother, we were like, you know, what would be really fun and really special is if we made like a home video for, you know, for Christmas for all of my, uh, my relatives, you know, and a lot of them, it was, the reason was because we would spend Christmas obviously with them, but they had just moved away to Idaho. Um, you know, so it was it was kind of like we couldn't spend time with them, but we wanted to give them like a little slice of you know of our time, I guess. Uh, and yeah. so we we came up with the idea of like yeah, let's let's come up with a video, and what would be really funny maybe would be we'll have we'll have like interspliced commercial skits, you know, <laughs> we'll do like little commercial breaks, um, and we'll do you know it maybe it'll, it'll be like some slideshows and some other things, blah blah blah. Um, and it was funny because we made we made it on like this little tiny Panasonic like DV camera, and it was like terrible to work with. Windows Movie Maker we used to edit, and it was just a, it was awful. It was horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> we couldn't figure out anything how to work anything, and that was like that was like the complete bottom of the barrel. But we did make one skit that was really funny. Or at least I, I thought it was. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was young. Um, <laughs> but we, it was called Caleb's Bananas, and it was like, it was like he was selling bananas to everybody. I don't know. It Dude, was, kid, kids it was love dumb. bananas. Yeah, they they're just funny think they're so funny. Yeah, <laughs> they are very odd. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we we came up with this little, this little, you know, family movie. But that was that was the first like project that I remember. Um, us doing as as a family, you know what I mean? Or as Aww. I guess it was just me and my brother, and we were like, "This is this is our project, you know. This is this is our movie, you know, experience." We're <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I think I think what's fascinating about you know people in our age range growing up is that there's this availability of content creation usually just because of an embrace of technology i mean my dad Mm. he he's not like overly nerdy per se i mean i i think he's probably more nerdy than most dads but he would always like have new cameras or or something to film with because they wanted to film us growing up and so that meant the older camera got passed down to the kids and my first thoughts of of content creation for me personally is yes i was in home videos goofing off and doing stuff but when I finally got to hold a camera 
Hmm. My brother and I were really obsessed with making like stop motion Lego hmm. videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because the camera didn't have good video, but it did have like decent pictures. So we were obsessed with taking pictures over and over and over again and making these stop motion videos. Um, I don't know what it was about it, but it was just like our toys would come to life. And so we would feel so passionate about <laughs> getting this, the same shots, like minute movements over and over and over again. What a way to kill time. But that like, is like hard. That is really hard. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our, uh, our videos actually turned out kind of cool after we got like a flow for it, right? Because mm, yeah. we would make... I mean, Lego figure doesn't have that much to move, right? Right. So it all came down to like getting a feeling of like when, how far does the leg have to move and how many shots? Okay, like lifting the left leg takes five shots to look good, you know? So you right. shoot five times after. I mean, like it was monotonous, but for us, that was something we were proud of and excited to put together and show someone. Mm. Did they look good? Probably not, right? But, like, for me, that was my exposure to content creation as a kid, like, feeling that creativity and passion. Juliana, right. how about you? Like, when you, <laughs> when you were growing up, I mean, we've been dating four years. Your parents have exposed some of these young young Juliana videos to me. Uh, you, you can find still, you can still find some of them on the internet. I wouldn't say that on air, but, you know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to find it right now. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You, it's like nothing you attached to it. my name. You, you said <laughs> it. So. Really? The internet historians are going to start digging. Oh, boy. Yeah. What, 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 what was your question about? the the videos what it, what was some of your like first memories of like actually holding a camera and coming up with ideas to like make content like where where that drive come from like how were you like what are some early memories of you doing that um well like on a less serious note like i think it was just super i don't know it just be super random me and my sister goofing off um like as i was telling you isaac on <laughs> I remember it was um, our middle school dance and that night we were all hanging out. Um, me, me, my sister, and my two best friends um, were like, we're going to make a, a horror movie. <laughs> it was the horror movie was called The Spoon Massacre where someone literally <laughs> kills someone. Is <laughs> killing other people with spoons. <laughs> and we thought it was so clever and we made this whole thing about it. And... Um, and then on like a more serious note, I guess like some some of like the content, um, the serious content has been like my YouTube videos, my all that stuff. Um, and that I guess it just kind of came from like, <laughs> honestly, I don't find too much like of my passion in YouTube covers and all that stuff. Like it's more of it's more of just like sharing music. Um, and I think, although, you know, growing up, everyone tells you, you need to do YouTube covers. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I did a lot of that. And sometimes it, it was fun for me, but I think it was like, I don't know that it kind of just drove, drove me to do that because everyone's like, you need to do this. So mm. but speaking candidly, you know? Yeah. I think well, we're going to kind of dive in. We're going to dive into like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Cameron. No, 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 no worries. Uh, we're going to dive into sort of like the positives and negatives of pursuing content creation which i hope we can all speak openly about like there's definitely like some negative pressure when making content but 
what I think is so cool about our early exposure to content creation is it's almost like that experience of a cat seeing themselves in the mirror for the first time, you know, <laughs> where it's like they're just or, or I guess any pet. Right. They're really taken back by what a mirror is. And they're like, mm. what is this? I, I, like there's a curiosity, there's a fear, there's an excitement. Mm-hmm. And as we're young and we finally get to see like the fruits of our labor, like, whoa, like, how do you point a camera? I'm on the screen. I see what myself looks like and I'm going to expose myself to my horrible acting. I mean, my dad used to shoot like these home videos with my brother and I, where we would make up a story and act it out. (laughs) And there was this one, I think the first one we did was called like a boy's lunch. And it was when the cousins came into town. So they were like, Oh yeah. Like let's make a video with the kids. And it was like Glenn and I would act and Glenn was always the better actor on screen uh, compared (laughs) to me. And I remember watching myself as a kid being like, I, I'm a horrible actor. Like I was constantly cracking up in the middle of like serious lines, but obviously looking back now, it's like people are like, ah, it's kind of adorable. This kid's trying his best to act. And like, for me, it was like, wow, like I really already have this weight behind the content I'm making where it's like, it's just not good enough or I need to push myself further. Like at a young age, I was already thinking in that regard. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's, it's important to acknowledge like how we started making content to now see like what we're doing now. I mean, Juliana, you talked about how you wanted to get into music and then people pushed you into doing covers. Yeah. Looking back at some (laughs) of those covers, like I'm sure that there's a little bit of like mixed emotions. Yeah. I was like, what what I was going to say was I didn't find any early YouTube videos, but I did find an early Mercury news article. (laughs) Oh gosh. Young Juliana Polifroni shows early signs of her musical talent (laughs) from 2012. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is, this is a news article. This is an opinion piece. I don't, how is no offense or anything, but how's this news? (laughs) how how old are you in 2012 uh i would have been uh, 14 14 14 years old yeah 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 oh my gosh the mercury news printing an article about a 14 year old (laughs) i literally dude i don't even know my my dad knows everyone i mean like this is there is no I don't know. There's a lot of people, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of people who will come to me and be like, who's your manager? Like, how did he, how did you do this? I'm like, it's my dad. My dad is literally friends with everyone. He's just, <laughs> you like, he's just like the friendliest guy. Mm. And he like, <laughs> so he like met, I'm, I'm pretty sure he just met this, um, woman who wrote for like <laughs> Mercury news. And I remember being like 13, 14 years old and like, I don't know. It was just so funny. I kept saying all the wrong things and you know, I was just so bad. I was like, Oh, you got it. You got an, uh, a couple of quotes in here, but I can't. (laughs) So I don't actually, I don't pay for the Mercury news, so I can't, uh, it'll only let me scroll down so far before it, uh, before it cuts me off. Is that, is that the newspaper article about the diva? Yeah. They call me a diva in waiting. (laughs) Nah. Are you sure that one's not local? Um, I have no, yeah, yeah I, it's I literally, the Mercury yeah but all my friends were literally like it was it was cool but it was also quite like embarrassing because i was like oh my gosh my <laughs> face my like pimply like 14 year old face with braces is like on everyone's doorstep and it, it was awesome like it was awesome but i was like 
you know, looking back at it, I was like, oh my gosh. But yes, that's so funny that you found that. <laughs> I love I'm that. just saying, which editor was like, yes, run it. We need to know about 14 year old Juliana Folkroni. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I literally, I have no idea how this happened because I, I mean, gosh, that was 2012. Yeah. Yeah. That was, oh my gosh. Now yeah. look at you. Look at you now, dude. Top of the world. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm still, I'm still a diva in waiting. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just pulling your leg. I, to be on, like I, I've said, I said it once already on this show. Like Juliana is, like a really an artist. It's, it's hard. Like it's, Thank it's crazy. You, you know, it, it's crazy to say that. But it's like I've seen her climb and climb. Like we're literally sitting in her home studio. There's, a, I was gonna do this show just with Cameron. And once we picked the topic, because of Juliana was like, this is what you guys should talk about today. It's her <laughs> idea to talk about content. Um, <laughs> I was like, dude, we have to have Jules on, you know, because yeah, like she, she knows so much about content creation. And I love what you were talking about, Juliana, about the embarrassment that comes with finding exposure in content creation. Mm-hmm. And, and even like what I was talking about with those early skits, right? Like watching myself, I was kind of embarrassed of myself. At that age. And I feel like content creation, when you're making content, there is this, like, I don't know if it's fear, but there's like this danger to really exposing who you are. And sometimes that has a negative light. And Cameron, Mm -hmm. I know that you would feel the same, but when we started making this podcast, we really wanted to stick to our authenticity so we couldn't like trip up in any regard like Cameron and I are probably as real as we I mean we are as real as we are in Mm -hmm. real life you know on this show and that concept of being real and authentic in your content was something that when we were early in creating content was something like to be avoided does that make sense Mm. where it was like Mm -hmm. we were trying to be something more than we weren't or we were attempting to make something greater and we would fall short because we weren't at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, like Juliana, you were talking about this newspaper article. I'm sure we could talk about your covers too. But Cameron, <laughs> I want to throw it your way about those early films you didn't want to show anyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, like where did it come from? That like self critique? Was it like, yeah, yeah? I just want to hear what you're thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, it was definitely so. Like, I was in a in sixth grade. I took a video production class, so we did like. Um, you know, they were like actual, uh, tape cameras, right? You know, you put the, the, it was like the <laughs> mini DV, I think yeah. um, <clears throat> you put, you, you put that in the side of the camera and then you actually have to like batch record it to the, uh, to final cut, you know, when you're, when you're importing it. And it was like, it was the most, uh, hectic and terrible system. But like w- in those days, like we, I took this class and and we we made some just awful awful garbage <laughs> you know what i mean and it was like it was just like i think i think the people who really succeed in a class like that or even in just like high school film classes generally is like when you start embracing sort of the um i guess like the zaniness and the like you're not trying to do anything more than just um more than what you can do, you know. There, yeah. Like you said, there's there's not authenticity in, um, in 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 the the 
projects that you actually enjoy, you know, later on there, there's an authenticity to it. And so like those first, those early on videos, like I remember we made, we had to make a music video for the class and it was just terrible, <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, you start like, you start like being like, okay, well, you know, I guess I didn't really know how to use the camera very well. And also, you know, the other people in my group, I didn't want to be there. You know, they didn't want to be there. We didn't really like each other. So, you know, so you start kind of like justifying it like that. But at the same time, you're like, you you don't know at that point um, what what it would take to to make a something of actual quality. You know, like you don't you just don't know. Um, you have no reference for uh, for what it would take. And and then you know throughout high school, we made you know I made I made a lot of projects in in high school. Actually, I I two years um, I had to write a script. Uh, you know, in a year. And that that was fun. That was interesting writing a feature script, um, and and that was a good project. But but as far as video projects, you know, we 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 were making stuff consistently, but you only have the limit of the class, you know. So you you don't really. I remember. I think it was my senior year, and JD was in this class. It, it was it was funny. Um, <laughs> JD, we've had him on the on the podcast, but. Um, and I think Johnny was in this class too, or maybe, maybe it wasn't, I'm not sure. Um, but we, we made, uh, basically the project was like an improv, um, film project, right? So you have a storyline, but it's like, it's like a game of, of telephone, you know, where, where one person, you know, lends the, or I, I guess it's, it's yes. And what, what is that? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, that game where you you start a story, one yeah, person starts yeah, yeah. a story, and then the next person goes on and blah blah blah. Right, um, yeah. and they just keep adding to the story. And so we were doing that with a video project, but we only had the time limit of the class, you know. So it would be like, okay, this day, we, you know, uh, this person, I'm gonna film, you know, I'm gonna be the director this day, and I'm gonna shape the story. I'm gonna see where it all goes. And then the next day it'll be someone else. And then the next day it'll be someone else. Um, it made for a, for a terrible project, but at the same time we were able to learn like, Oh, this is actually what it, you know, these are the different steps it takes to, um, you know, to creating a final project. Oh, here's why it's helpful to have one person who really knows what they're doing in this area. And, oh, this, this is why it's, it's really good that we, um, you know, we set up two cameras for this shot because we didn't get all the footage or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so like you start, you start because we did it so often, even though it was, it was bad and it wasn't watchable basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it it kind of got off the rails at at a certain point. We were just like, I don't know, let's do aliens, you know. And so like, <laughs> so it, it it went it got to a point where it was like it was like totally crazy. It was just it was just absurd and ridiculous. But it was still fun, you know, because we yeah. were able to like adapt and and there were still some things in the project that we were like, oh, this is actually really funny, or oh, this is really you know well shot, or oh, blah blah blah, you know. And so we got to learn through that like exposure of doing it. So I guess the lesson I took from that was like, even if it doesn't turn out to be great in the end, you know, the project doesn't turn out to be great, it's best to just do as many projects as you can. You know, it's best mm-hmm. to just really 
you know, expose yourself to all the different problems. And yeah, it's intimidating at first to be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but, but over, over, you know, after a while you actually get into a rhythm and you actually sort of, you do start to understand what you're doing, but you really can't until you, un- until you, you actually do it, you know, and you actually run into the problems and then you can come up with a strategy. I don't know. That that was always my, my way of doing things was like, you have to do it first and then, and then mm. you'll know, you'll know what, <laughs> what mistakes not to make. Yeah, you know? I totally agree with you. And I think Juliana can speak to this, right? But there, when you're, when you're trying to make content that is readily available and popular, right? I mean, like for, for us, Cameron, we try to record this weekly, right? There has to be a consistency. And I don't even know if the consistency guarantees the popularity, but instead, I think a lot of content creators recommend consistency because it hones in your craft. The more yeah. you do something, the better you get at it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that, like what, like the 10,000 hour rule? I don't know if I buy it. Uh, <laughs> but like the more you do something, the better you get at it. And I think it breeds excellence in a way that the actual creator themselves will never notice, right? Mm. I mean, Cameron, when's the last time you listened to episode one of this podcast? <laughs> Never. Exactly, right? Like, we have no idea how long we've come, or how far we've come even, in speaking on air on a podcast, right? Uh, and I think it would probably be healthy for us to go yeah, back and listen. You guys should. To, oh. like, pat, to pat ourselves on the back, maybe. Oh, no. But I think, <laughs> but I think that there's, there's value in remembering how far you come. Yeah. In, in in producing content. Juliana, you're recording artists. Like, obviously, this is a huge part of creating music. Your first song versus yes. your current music, right? Oh, boy. Yes. I mean, even just, like, from when I, uh, when I had graduated high school and I started actually being in studios and, like, I don't know, getting, getting, really into music and recording my myself and all that um I just you can hear the difference from from then you can I can hear the difference in like months ago when I was recording myself um and actually like started like me going through the process of like building a studio and all that stuff like you can hear it um and I've still got lots to learn but you know growth is everything so yeah, so that's the that's the sort of interesting thing is how do you how do you deal with the fact that once you once you get an audience and once you sort of have um once you have a fan base, I guess, they when when they don't grow with you, you know, they don't change with you. You know, maybe you're saying it, you know, a year a year ago I didn't sound good, but you know, I th- I think I sound great now. Um but you know your audience and your fan base is saying well i i kind of liked how you sounded back then you know i liked i liked what um you know what you were doing back then and i don't like the direction that you're going like like i i obviously we're not there yet we're not we we don't have that big of an audience or we don't we're not you know we're not world famous i guess but like i don't know it's always it's always been something um, that's conflicted that I, that I feel conflicted about because right. The, like I criticize artists for doing this. You know what I mean? I'm the, I'm the fan who I'm like, I don't like who, you know, I don't like what you're doing now. You know, I'm, I'm critical of people who I really like when, when they don't do something that I want, but then looking back on it, I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm just not, I'm not giving them, 
I guess the room to grow and I'm I'm not I don't know I don't know do you have any thoughts about that yeah yeah well actually I was gonna say um it's funny because even though I haven't you know to me I'm still growing um and haven't reached a ton of people I feel like there are I I actually have had this happen to me where there have been quote-unquote fans um (laughs) who straight up been like I liked I had a song called I shut that came out in 2017 people are like I loved Aisha way more than what you just released. <laughs> They'll tell me that. And I'm like, you, <laughs> you're a jerk. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. like, I think, you know, but it's funny because I do the same thing with, um, with artists who I really like. I mean, me and Isaac were just listening to Coldplay mm-hmm. and I think, I, I don't know. Some people are, they're like mixed about this, but I think most people can agree that when they listen to yellow or when they listen to, um, Viva La Vida it's like it's like oh that stuff was like those were really great songs and then they those listen, are the good days right? <laughs> listen to right, right. oh gosh the one with the the one with the ape what is oh it yeah Adventure of a Lifetime yeah and, and like it's a fine song like it's not a bad song but it's just like this is not Coldplay you know mm, it just yeah, sounds yeah. to me it's not like you know that's that's the moment where I feel kind of like what you're saying it's like, come on, really? Like, you got to do that? Or like with Taylor Swift, which I know you, I don't know. I well, Juliana, like you're, Swift, you're a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm a Swiftie, right? yes. And, and this is, I think, a great example, actually, that you're bringing up, right? I find that like real, like I don't want to support blind fandom, but I think that like when you start making content, and you kind of experience that flow. And Cameron, you said we haven't really even experienced that. I disagree uh, this podcast, we've gotten plenty of feedback, mostly loving. All of it's loving, actually. Like, most people love the show. But we do get recommendations in moments where people tell us, hey, you know, I really liked when you do the history podcast. Mm, yeah, like, why don't yeah. you do that every single mm. episode? Or all I want to hear is you guys talk about movies. Why don't you do that every single episode, right? And Cameron and I have considered this feedback. I mean, we've been talking about it for a long time. It's like... We, if we were going to make a shift in our content creation, we probably would have a better plan of how to execute on that vision because of the feedback we've gotten. So we needed that feedback, right? But like, like that experience when you make content and people give feedback, it's an important thing. But for me, it's made me as a fan of certain artists or creators, right? Really appreciate when creators do something that maybe isn't overly popular. I mean, yeah. for me, like I like Coldplay a lot, actually. And I talked about Coldplay's album a few episodes back. They released one that nobody knew about in 2019. And Tim Smith, who is notorious <laughs> for doing this, messaged me, that homeless guy, whatever his name is. Uh, he messaged me and was like, Tim's, or, or he said, uh, Coldplay's new album is garbage. That's all he said. <laughs> when I when I said it was like a lukewarm experience that's on the podcast, a, that's such a right? Tim, that's such a Tim thing to do. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. Tim. But for me, when I listened to it, I was like, how would I feel if I had been writing songs that got millions upon millions of streams and I've toured the world and I have all the money I ever needed, what would I write about? Right, yeah. Do you know? Yeah, exactly. Putting yourself in the shoes of that creator for a second almost really helps you see a different side of what they're making. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I'm a big Blink-182 fan, right? 
listening to their new albums with a different guitarist, uh, Matt Skiba. It's like, I can't connect with this. But what about that last album with Tom DeLonge for me? Like, people hated that album. <laughs> and I listened to it and I was like, whoa, dude, like that's where they were going. Mm. You know, that's a direction that I actually can appreciate because it was the last one that they had together. Like those uh, those members, not the original three, but that was like the golden era of Blink. To hear that last album that wasn't even that loved, right? And to listen to it with a perspective of these guys had already climbed the ladder, you know? And that's what they chose to write. It was right, like, yeah. I feel like I'm hearing a passion project or a side project or something that they like wanted to do because they wanted to do it. They didn't need to climb any higher. You know? Well, and and that's so interesting. That's so funny because my my criticism of Blink One Eighty Two and everybody knows I I just hate them. But um, my criticism. <laughs> Wait, you do? Yeah, I do. I really don't like what? Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. Wow. Um, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my my criti- my criticism of them has always been like, well, their their music is just like it's just immature. You know, like it just doesn't doesn't like. It doesn't transcend anything. You know, it's just like stuck in sort mm-hmm. of like angsty teenager land. And like, how long can you do that? Can you be 40 and still be an angsty teenager? <laughs> you I know agree. What, you know what I mean? so, this is like where I t- yeah, 100% I think- agree with you, actually. Because what's frustrating is to hear the new Blink albums without Tom and to hear them still singing about meeting girls and drinking and running away from mom and dad. Yeah. When these yeah. guys are 40-year-old dudes they're like old that men. have families, <laughs> right? When uh, oppositely, right, Tom, who left the band, who's doing Angels and Airwaves, there's a little bit of that teen spirit in there. But what I appreciate is there's more of an existential view in his, like, songwriting that's more of, like, the world and... What what is our purpose? Why are we here? Like society, you know, it's a little heavy-handed. I'll go, granted. I wouldn't say that he's a, the most mature songwriter. I mean, although his alien discoveries have now been forced out by true, the FBI. True. Yeah. Which nobody crazy. believed him. Yeah. That's fun. No. No. Yeah. But so. But, but you know what I mean. And it, it, again, it's the same with like. Like I think about this a lot with Metallica, right? Metallica, they came up, mm. you know, they were this thrash, cool thrash metal band, you know. It was it was nineteen eighty two, you know. They were like they were like we're gonna, you know, we're just we're angry and we're gonna, you know, crush it, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And and now they're you know they're still they're literally just touring the world, you know. They're dads. They're just they've got families, <laughs> you know. This is just their job, and so like they're. Th- you know they they still they still are the same people they still have the same identity and well i guess i mean they've obviously had had changes in some ways i mean the basis has changed throughout the year the years but like they they don't thrash like they used to you know what i mean and it's not because they oh, yeah. it's not because they're not skilled i mean they're they're incredibly skilled you know they're probably mm-hmm. they're some of the world's I don't want to say top musicians, but in a way they, they, they almost are right. You know, like there's an athleticism to what they, what they're doing there. Imagine, imagine how, how fast and how much they're playing, um, you know, and they're doing, you know, four, four shows a week or whatever. And, and like they're, they're touring and blah, blah, blah. And like, that's, that's exhausting. Um, so like in some ways they're, they're incredibly, um, their endurance is is really special but at at the same point it's like yeah you guys just aren't making the same music you know well, like where's it's not the same identity 
and and that's kind of where I was where I was going towards, I guess, was like was like what like who who holds that identity? Because in my mind, you know, what I'm thinking about Metallica, I'm like, oh, I want the Metallica of, you know, nineteen eighty five or whatever. You know, I want I want the old thrash Metallica. I don't want the new, you know, we're dads Metallica. <laughs> yeah. You know, but 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 at a certain point the identity is the same. You know, they're the same band. They're the same people um for the most part. So it's like it's like where is who gets to def- who gets to define that identity? You know, who who gets that who gets that choice? Obviously it's the artist, but you know, if people stop listening, you know, what really like I don't know. It, I I I identify Metallica with with the 1980s Metallica. I don't identify with them as much now, you know, their their music that they're currently putting out. Yeah, and I think it's hard when you're making content cuz you you if you're going to be successful, you have to adhere to the masses. But then there's a loss of like who you really are. And then can you really make anything great at that point, mm. right? Yeah. So, and and I think that's a question that a lot of artists struggle with as well. Juliana, I mean, you can talk about yourself in this regard or, I mean, you're a hmm. huge Taylor Swift fan. Like, what do you think? The, um, I mean, what do you mean? Like with people? People, like the idea of them like making art, having to adhere to the mass, but also continue to make what they want to make, you know? Yeah. I mean... I think that for, let's say, Taylor Swift, yeah. it's like people love, I mean, not not everyone loves Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift fans love Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift fans do not, um, like, they, they love her music, but more importantly, they love Taylor Swift. They love her brand. They love who she's about. Like, they love everything that, that has to do with her, you know? She... <laughs> She she could release the crappiest song. Can I say crappiest? Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> then she... Sorry. Um, and still, she... Um, they Her fans, like, would adore it because it's who she is. Like, people fall... Fans fall in love with artists. Fans don't fall in love with songs. So, I think what she has done has... Um, she, with her brand, is that she's made it known, like, what she's about and um has been able to with every album change that sound but still remain like taylor swift you know because of who she is it doesn't matter she can make anything now because people are bought into who she is Mm. but but is it is that is that true though because if taylor swift started acting not like taylor swift people would (laughs) people would hate that right you know what i mean like she's still taylor swift she's still that person but like the identity the identity doesn't lie with her you know what i mean yeah i mean she did she did in uh 2017 she released an album called reputation and that was her like darker album it was after the whole kanye thing it was after um she was i think she was sexually assaulted like all these things that had happened and she had written a um an album trying to like I don't know more of her like a dark Taylor kind of thing and people like I don't know at first I was like what the heck like I (laughs) this was right after her like really really pop bubblegum pop album um 1989 and I had like I literally remember 
um being next to isaac and being like what the heck like this is not what i wanted like i wanted bubblegum pop taylor and still i ate up that album i listened to it every day like i literally i bought the cd or isaac bought it for me i don't know um and i listened to it <laughs> all the time in my car so it i mean that was and that was my that was my opinion so i guess it, it really just depends on the fan but i would say the a majority of fans like she's i don't want to sound I don't want to sound ageist or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, but she's getting old. But she's she's 30 years old. Like not that's she has had a long career, right, you know, right. being, you know, 15, 16 years old, starting in country music, then all the way to like bubblegum, like bubblegum pop to like kind of like trap and then back to like I know trap. It doesn't technically there were like trap you know trap elements 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 yes and like her reputation album and then she's back to um bubblegum pop it's like she's she's done it and she's doing it you know and i it's crazy how she's still like she's still up and with it so sorry that was a yeah we've definitely funneled down a large like a large conversation on finding success in content creation and also like you know what it looks like for people who have made it and been successful obviously we don't have them on the shows we can only speak to our own experience right but the reoccurring theme that i think i love and actually goes perfect with what you're talking about with taylor swift is that idea of falling in love with someone who's an artist versus falling in falling in love with art the art that the yeah. artist made you know that to be able to achieve that distinction as an artist is the gold mine in my opinion right mm-hmm. like for me it's like i fall i like i loved certain albums from blink 182 right but i fell in love with like tom delong and what he does right <laughs> he's a crazy dude right <laughs> i love him though like it's like i want to follow him no matter what even if he's posting about his strange pyramid scheme alien science company okay <laughs> i don't care you know it's like i'm following him because i appreciated what he made and I want to keep seeing what he makes, right? Mm-hmm. Cameron, you could probably say that for a ton of directors. I mean, Christopher Nolan. People go to a Tarantino film just because it's Tarantino. Heck, I've well, done that because th- that is you the, know the thing is. I was actually going to talk about uh, Tarantino specifically because it's something that we talk about <laughs> very often um, on this podcast, which is sometimes there's actually there's actually there comes into conflict when you start to become a brand and you stop becoming you know an actual innovator and you stop becoming you know someone who is actually putting putting out good good work you know what i mean so so like i think tarantino sometimes has this has this issue where he runs up against his fans you know he's trying to please his fans and obviously disregard um once upon a time in hollywood i think that's the perfect example of the opposite where he made something I think that's like really transcendent and, and is special um, and is totally against his brand. I mean, not totally, but is, is really unusual for him. But you know, there are sometimes, there's sometimes when he, he has to just lean into his, you know, what his audience thinks of him because of, because that's who he is. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm Tarantino. Mm-hmm. This is what I've made myself out to be, you know? And so like, so like I think there's a you need to strike a like a really strict balance I guess. It's it's I guess it's the hardest job in the world. It's the hardest thing to do. Um yeah. is to is to walk that knife's edge of like um okay, well I want to be authentic to me and I want to be, you know, really 
you know, I want to make something that, that, you know, makes me vulnerable and, and, you know, is experiential to what I'm, what I'm identifying with, but I also want to stay true to my identity and stay true to my brand. And I don't want to drift off into a different direction, you know? And like, yeah, that, that's really hard. Talking about like being yourself is such an like overused Disney trope, right? (laughs) And that doesn't always work. I'm yeah, serious. I like, agree. You, you look at someone mm-hmm. like George Lucas, right? Who <laughs> famously created Star Wars, right? And the original three films were successful, and then the prequels fell on their faces. But George Lucas stands by the fact that that's what he wanted to make, right? Yeah. And they didn't come across well, right? And so he pawned off his IP to Disney and walked away from it. Now I just make films for myself. Right. right? Yeah. And he's like one of those people that's like, I just want to make stuff for me as a creator. I want to just be a creator. Right. Mm -hmm. And it got him far in some regards. And in other regards, kind of like ended a section of his career. But, But the thing was the best part about star Wars. And this is something that, that you really kind of miss if you're not looking in the details is a lot of George Lucas's ideas in the original Star Wars were just cut you know the producer said no no way we're not doing that you know we're not making Luke uh you know a three three and a half foot tall blue man you know we're just we're just not doing that you know sorry he's got to be a human <laughs> you know that's a dumb idea George and, and then he got to a certain point where you know where nobody was willing to say that. And that's that's my favorite thing about those. Uh, Isaac, have you ever watched those prequel documentaries? Making oh, yeah, of prequel dude, they're documentaries? crazy. They're so funny. They're, they're like They're like The Office, but in real life. Like, serious. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're genuinely hilarious because, you know, because uh, Rick McCallum or whatever his name is, he's, like, looking at the camera like, what is going on? You know? <laughs> and it's it's just, it's... It's I can't. There's some stuff in there that I can't believe they didn't cut. Like it's so good. Um, but at the same time, With like it. that's why that's why those original three movies worked was that people were guiding him in a certain way. And sometimes I like what you're saying, Isaac. Sometimes you just can't be yourself all the time. <laughs> you have to be reined in. You have to be you have you have to be sharpened by something else. You know. I think you're I think a I lot think, of times you're blind to your own mistakes. Yes. So, I guess if we're trying to push forward a word of advice for people listening to this. If you're going to make something, I would not recommend doing it in a way that it's not true to yourself. But unlike George Lucas, <laughs> have a keen ear or a desire to hear the feedback. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and that's something you're going to have to filter. Juliana, because you make music, everybody's quick to give you feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, what have you learned to how, like, to take some of it in and also to, <laughs> like, also, like filter the bad yeah. eggs, right? Yeah. Um. I think, okay, well, let me just put this into perspective. I've had people be, you know, really, really nice and then they, and then they really don't mean it. And then I've had people who, <laughs> I remember when I was, um, uh, I think it was 18. I went to a songwriting convention. I had this guy look at the lyrics of my song. <laughs> he threw the lyrics on the ground and said, this sucks. Oh. And I was, <laughs> In I was like, 
<laughs> yeah yes yes and i that is absolutely unacceptable um i think um any 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 person who who does that it's not useful advice um and i think are you saying from feedback from quote-unquote fans or like from anyone anyone i think anyone. i think you no no, no. Anywhere, i think yeah really what you should do is you should get someone you trust <laughs> to give you feedback like don't just take feedback from anyone like fans like you said Jules like they swing back and forth you know they 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 are a little bit fickle but you need someone yeah. you need someone who who you actually like legitimately trust you you love yes. their opinion you know you need you sort of i guess you use that they they're, they're going to be honest but they're also going to be, <laughs> you know, helpful y- yes, because that's not exactly. helpful to be like, this, this sucks. It's like, what about this sucks? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like you, you need to, you need to tell me what needs to be fixed. And you know, the worst, the worst kind of advice I hate or like feedback I hate is the vibe is not right. Like I hate, I hate that when people are like, it's just the vibe. I'm like, what about the vibe? Like you need to tell me specifically. What's a vibe? <laughs> what, what's a vibe? Like that's, that's the, that's the kind of stuff you hear a lot in music is like the vibe just isn't sitting right with my aura or my energy. And it's just like the most LA like yeah stuff you've ever. <laughs> that means they hate it, but they don't yeah. want to tell you. Like that's, that's just yeah. what that means. <laughs> just be real. They're like, you know, oh, so. I don't like how this sounds. It just, it's, it's really bad, <laughs> but I don't want to tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Giving good feedback is hard. And I mean, I'll call myself out first, you know, for as much as we make fun of Tim Smith, he sends me his art all the time. And I know Tim's probably listening to this episode. Like I open, like openly, I'm not the best at giving Tim feedback. Sometimes he'll send me something and I just don't have enough time to really analyze it and look at it and give him my two cents. Like there was a time that he sent me a graphic that he had been working on. And he was like, what do you think of this? And I was like, it's okay. And, and he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know how to put my, like, I don't know how to say it correctly. And I was like kind of a loss for words. I couldn't, I didn't have the mental power at that moment to really put together feedback. And for him to hear that, that's not useful. Right. You know what right. I mean? Even though he trusts me. Right. Yeah. And so like, for those of you who have friends that make content, like to give real feedback is literally gold for yeah. content creators. Yeah. Like that's like the most important thing in the world saying a song sucks is way less helpful than someone <laughs> saying i think the hi-hats should probably be mixed differently yes. you know what i mean yes. like, yeah like that's like an action item right yeah so as a content creator finding people that can give you that feedback like those are the people that it's like i want you to be my best friend <laughs> You know, like I want you to be around me all the time, yeah. giving me pointers, and I want you to be able to back those pointers well, and, too. And yeah. also, like, there, <laughs> there is something useful. I mean, uh, it you'll have to you'll have to decide this for yourself, obviously. But there is something <laughs> useful in having the person who can who could kind of be mean about it, but you know they're right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like who can who you're like who you're like, <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> I okay, sure, I know, but. At the same time, you know, they can kind of like cut it with a razor's edge. You know, they could be like, they could be yeah. really sharp about it because, because there's, there's something, there's something really good about like burning off the, 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 you know, the dead bush, you know, burn like, like yeah. trimming the fat of your, of your content and, and you 
you know, if you have someone who's like, who's like, well, this part of what you're doing isn't very good. It doesn't make sense. You need to rework this is really good because, because then you can, yeah. you could say, okay, I, I kind of see what you're getting, but I really like this. You know, I like this, this, and this about this. And then they're going to be like, no, it's terrible. It doesn't make sense. Here's why, you know, and, and they yeah. and you're able to hone your skills and you're able to hone your, your craft through that. And I think that's just like, I don't know. I think that's the most important thing, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, for me, I think Isaac, like in specific, um, although he doesn't do like music as like how I do it, um, he, it's good because I can talk to him and he can give me like immediate feedback and you know, it's, he's someone I trust, you know? So like, don't, don't take advice from, from someone yeah, who's like not trust, doing yeah. well on their own <laughs> because I've made that mistake many times and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this person's opinion means so much to me. And I'm not trying to sound mean, but like if they haven't really done it themselves, it's like, you know, you're going to have to take everything with a grain of salt. Definitely. Yeah. I I mean, we're running out of time for this, this content creation episode, (laughs) to be honest. Um, so I wanted to wrap some things up. I think those are some great notes, guys, what you're talking about. Um, as far as like feedback goes, um, yeah, I I think we covered all the bases. I don't know why I was going there. This is what I want to hit on before we close the show. Obviously, a majority of us at this current time of this episode being recorded are stuck in quarantine. I'm hoping that it is flowing some creative juices for you as an individual wanting to make stuff. I think people have been trying to conquer that fear of starting. Mm-hmm. All of us have had experience making content to a degree with actually some great success behind the content that we've made um or at least you know relative success (laughs) uh depending on how you want to look at it right um as creators how would we advise someone who wants to start creating something um okay i guess i'll go first i guess go for it um i think well if you are a a musician um i can say that for me specifically i have been pouring a lot more time into building a studio space and i did have a studio space and i was working out of it um like a couple couple uh days of each week and now i'm in here all the time every day and i guess like the thing the advice that i would give to someone else would be to just start whether that's in like baby steps because isaac you know me i get very overwhelmed when you start talking (laughs) the crazy talk about like getting this or getting that and for me um I guess if you're a little bit if you feel a little overwhelmed like I do it would be to just take take a step even if it's a little little baby step you know that that would be that's my advice too is get over the hump of (laughs) of just starting you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's it's really tough to say like because I think everybody has in their mind that, that like, oh, you know, in order to do X, I also have to do A, B, A through Y. You know, I, I have to do everything, yeah. you know, and 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 you you could just do X, <laughs> you know, you could just start yeah, with that. Yeah. Start with the thing yeah. that you want to <laughs> do and then and then you'll run it when you're doing it. Like I said earlier, you know, when you're doing it, you'll run into the problems of, oh, I don't have this. 
and I would really yeah, love to have exactly. that, you know. And then you can you can start to incorporate that and fold it into your um, into your routine. But like when you just do it, you just you just get over that 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 hump, you know. Even if you're not yeah. proud of it, but but like you could just create something, and then and then you'll figure out you'll have a roadmap of like, well, I know that this isn't what I want, you know. This isn't the end product of what I want, but. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where, you know, what, I don't know what actionable steps I need to take to get there, but I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to start with one thing. And then when I run into a problem, I'll, I'll graduate from there. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. make, you know, I'll take a step in, in the next direction. And you just, you know, it's just one step at a time and you just go yeah. Until, yeah. until you're good. <laughs> Yeah. How come you think Cameron and I have been doing this subpar show for 93 <laughs> episodes, right? We, we no, need to do, pra- you know, we need to practice. We need practice We needed talking. to start. Yeah, exactly. I think starting is huge, right? Um, this is my advice that I was thinking of. Be consistent not to become popular. Be consistent to get better at your craft. Yeah. That's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Pursuing fame and success by being consistent will frustrate you beyond belief. It does not... Well, Uh, I'll just say, as far as the law of averages go, it it doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, don't... Don't don't be set on being popular. Because it it won't happen, you know? If you want to do something, do it because you you really enjoy doing it and you really love doing it. But it... The next thing... If if you you don't... If you just want to do it to get popular, like, you're not going to. (laughs) So just, just my, get that out of your mind mm, right away, you know? Yeah. And my suggestion on gear or acquiring stuff for whatever you want to do. Juliana knows more than ever. I am a gear junkie. I love getting stuff to help me create and make things. Um, get gear that makes you want to create mm. more. That's I think great. that that's huge versus saying like, just start with what you have. Yeah. You need certain things to, to get there. Right. Yeah. But get gear that makes you want to literally be doing what you're doing all the time. Yes. I mean, small things, right? Cameron got where with some of the podcast funds, we recently purchased a new audio interface that is glorious. It's sitting right in front of us. I am obsessed with this thing already. <laughs> um, I love twisting the knobs. <laughs> it's a small thing, right? This is a luxury, but it makes me, it literally makes me want to make more right. content. Right. This, exactly. this item. Yeah. That's the Ver- same thing when I bought the Apollo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or versus buying a, another microphone that's just going to sound a little bit different. Yeah. A microphone's a mic, right? Yeah. You know, someday Cameron and I might be cool enough to get SM7Bs, <laughs> right? You know, but like <laughs> something like that. I know buying an SM7B will not inspire me to make more podcasts. It'll probably inspire me to make more music, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, knowing that distinction, what's going to help push my content forward that I'm trying to reach at this end goal, right? Mm. Like, buying equipment that that really inspires you to continue to make. I love that. Right? I love that yeah. advice. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just um, just to add one last thing is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um because I know for a lot of people, especially myself, it's very overwhelming. And um, yes, you can go on YouTube and search on how to do this and do that. But sometimes you just need someone who um, who gets it. And yeah, don't be afraid to just be to ask questions, you know, even if it's a lot of them. Yeah. They'll forgive you. 
for asking so many questions. I think that's going to wrap up the show today. Obviously, all of us are creators. Feel free to reach out to us if you have questions about making things yourself. I've had tons of people talk to me about what it's like to do a podcast and uh, I don't hold back. I'll tell them the truth, um, <laughs> what it takes. Uh, if you need help making content or feeling inspired, of course, feel free to reach out to either Cameron, me, or Jules. Jules named her socials earlier. I'm sure we'd love to help you out and give you some feedback if you're making something specific. But yeah, I think this has been a great conversation. Jules, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you for, for having a show. me. We have to go eat dinner Uh <laughs> Right, right now, Cameron. How about you? Are you gonna cook something no, else? No, I'm. Ge- yeah, I'm also gonna eat dinner. So, but I'm not cooking. <laughs> right, sounds like I plan. was doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. All right, everyone, keep creating and stand safe.
Everything Comes From Something is a fully fan-funded podcast that happens because of listeners like you. And a huge shout-out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you for supporting the show. I know I've been saying that part for the last, well, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes, but seriously, you guys have been a huge blessing for making sure this podcast continues to go. Remember, if you want to support the show just like they do, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. throw a couple dollars away, get a couple benefits. Remember, all the benefits, if you're a Patreon, are done through Patreon. Patreon Messenger. Yes, you can just shoot us a message right there, and boom. We'll see it. We'll put it on air. Um, that's that's how it works. Take advantage of those. Again, if you don't have money, totally cool. I know. I'm a broke college kid. I get it. You can just tell friends and family. Spread the word about the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It's a little different. Maybe someone... of uh, some of the people or your friends will like it and you can always give us a rating on iTunes. That seriously helps. Again, we thank you guys for all the support that you give us. We love you and we will see you next week.